Welcome to lesson two of the Divine Love Essentials course. I'm Bill Fraze, and we will be discussing pages eight through 11 of the Divine Love Essentials book. Uh, this book can be downloaded from wakeupcallforthesoul.com under the Divine Love Essentials course tab. Uh, so uh, now I'd ask us to join together in a, in a brief prayer here to center ourselves before diving into our topics here. Beloved Creator, we thank you for, for the gift of your presence and your love, for the healing that it brings to our souls and our bodies. We thank you for the very gift of our souls, those aspects of ourselves that are made in your image, in the likeness of your great soul. Guide this lesson guide the, the, the discussion that follows that we might grow in our uh, knowledge and understanding of you, not just uh, within our intellects, but through the, the perceptions of our souls, our ability to truly know you through the power of your love. We thank you for this opportunity and pray that all of those who are participating live and those who experience the recording after the fact may experience a wonderful inflowing of your love for the transformation of our souls and for the upliftment of this world into the power of your light and love. We thank you. Amen. All right. So uh, the first uh, thing that I was going to go through is kind of go through sequentially again. In this case, uh, we're doing two sections, the creator and the soul. So I was gonna cover a few of the main points and then uh, some folks sent in some wonderful questions uh, related to both, both of these chapters and there was kind of some overlap. So we'll probably be going back and forth here, but, uh, but I'm interested in, in seeing what I can do to, uh, to respond to those uh, wonderful questions that people sent in as well. So uh, I'm just going to hit some of the main points from, from this very brief uh, lesson on, on the creator. So the creator is soul. Um, we talked last week, there was a question about this word, over soul. Uh, the creator is, is the great soul, the uncreated reality, uh, the un ultimate uncreated reality that... Uh, is beyond any <laughs> categories that we can mentally apply to it. Anything that that I say in this lesson at this point related to the the creator is just me like pointing at this vast, uh, amazing. What's the word? Uh, there, there's not. We don't have words that that can encapsulate this incredible vastness um, and meaning and purpose and love and, and intentionality and desire uh, that's so far beyond uh, what, what we can uh, conceive of or, or even uh, perceive in our souls. Uh, so, and that's part of the fun of the journey is this constant um, opening of our perceptions for those on, on the divine love path to experiencing ever more uh, deeply and profoundly and clearly 
the the nature and character of of our creator the the one who made us um of love by love to love um and so in this chapter i talk about some of these characteristics and i've already can, kind of been talking around some of them i mean the, the creator is infinite uh there are no limits or boundaries to uh what what in the the text there i use the phrase divine beingness um language truly fails in in this situation you know we're all just going to do the best we can uh the the creator um is uncreated immortal uh that which has no beginning also has no end uh, and that's one of the challenges i think that people they they don't um and, and this will apply more to the soul chapter but they they kind of confuse uh they, they don't really understand that the nature of creation and all that that implies but the the creator is uncreated immortal uh in in a way existing outside of 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 our concepts of, of time and space and yet participating in them as well uh, very intimately involved in uh, in the flow of, of history as as we experience it um, the creator is by nature creative expressive um, the creator has a will uh, I can use a phrase like divine will uh, that is where the human will is a reflection of that again that's one of the reasons why I was glad to kind of combine these two chapters because they they correspond so closely to each other the, the 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 creator and then and then our souls made in the image of the creator where we have many similar attributes that are just more limited in their scope and their operation and and their uh, their level of empowerment uh, the creator is all loving. I mean, the the core teaching, the whole point of why I'm doing everything I'm doing is is to uh, share and spread and and help people understand and receive and and appreciate the the gift of uh, divine love that's available to all souls uh, for the transformation of their souls from natural beings into divine beings. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in depth as well. Um, and one of the qualities or characteristics that I felt was important to include uh, in this lesson that I don't know if it's really, I haven't seen it communicated as much as, as uh, has been made clear to me through my own perceptions is this incredible uh, desire of, of the creator to experience a loving union with, with the souls that the creator has made in the creator's image. So uh, that, desire is beyond anything that we can uh, conceive of or or appreciate uh it's because so so often i think people focus on the the power of of god or well and, and other people focus on more negative aspects that don't actually belong to god but are projections of of um, human uh choices and decisions upon the deity um so they'll, they'll focus on all these other things and and miss this really important one at least to me the fact that there's this great desire and and we humans have this desire implanted within within our souls and it tends to get um frustrated redirected uh because of kind of the the trauma of becoming incarnated into 
this, uh, the, these conditions that humanity has uh, brought to bear upon the earth um, almost from the beginning and which, which continue to this day. And again, I'm just looking at, at what's in the chapter here. And, and again, words, they in no way, anything I've said, it doesn't en it encapsulate or capture or contain any of the reality of the creator in any way. I'm just, I, it's, I'm trying to point at this great light and kind of like look in that direction, look um, from, from within our souls and in, in the, in the direction of these things. And, and part of this is uh, maybe for those who are at different places on the path, uh, you know, maybe these things don't necessarily make sense or maybe they, they are not uh, things of reality for certain people based on their experiences and things. So for some folks who encounter this lesson, it could be that these are things um, to kind of hope for or maybe put some trust in that they may be true even if even if one can't perceive those at this time. Um, let's see, I think what I'm going to do actually is I'm going to, since I've already started mixing in the creator with the soul, which makes sense, I'm going to go into the soul lesson and then I'm going to go back and kind of go through the, the wonderful questions uh, that I received. So the, the soul is this creation of God it has a beginning, uh, therefore, in its natural state, it is also uh, potentially subject to an end, to dissolution. And I think I've heard people over the years of my life uh, use the phrase almost sticking automatically in front of the word soul, immortal, um, which, you know, I think a lot of people confuse the continuity of life after uh, the separation of the soul from the physical body they consider that continuity to suggest that the soul is immortal, which is not necessarily the case. Again, that which has a beginning uh, may indeed have an end. Um, and that's a whole other conversation, but it's something that I feel it's important for people to know because I think that there are a lot of people who are just like, well, the soul continues after death, therefore it's immortal. It's like, eh, not necessarily. Uh, uh, because again, it doesn't know that for sure. And that's, that's part of my, my excitement and interest in the divine love path, because that path ultimately leads a soul to the conscious knowledge of, of its immortality through partaking of the essence of divinity that, that God freely offers that, that we often refer to as divine love. All right. So uh, the, one of the, important factors of the soul is, is its pre-existence before its incarnation in a biological body. Uh, and well, we'll get into some of the questions around that because there were some questions, good questions around uh, that question of the when and how many and, and that kind of thing. But the most important function of incarnation is uh, the best word to describe it is individualization, that that process of, of incarnating into a body, regardless of how long, a soul is in the body, whether it's in, in, in the body for a moment or for many years, uh, individualization is accomplished at that, uh, at that moment. And there are other factors that come into play that I probably won't get too much into here that may come in, uh, become applicable in future lessons and such. So yeah, the soul is, is created perfect in its natural being. Uh, the, the challenge is when, when souls become incarnated uh, in conditions like the earth has at this point, 
uh, it's basically, I use words like traumatized, assaulted, um, <laughs> which are not the most fun words, but I, I feel that, that they have a certain truth to them in terms of what the soul experiences, how it is uh, forced to respond to the energetic conditions that it comes into in this world. And, and that starts the process of, of creating certain patterns, defense mechanisms, uh, things that uh, are meant to kind of, I don't know what the right word is, protect it, to protect the soul, to help it to survive or exist uh, within within the nature of, of the energies that it encounters in this world. Uh, and that's one of the challenges, and that's something we'll talk about more in um, future lessons too, the, how, how those uh, processes happen, but then also how uh, ways that they can be undone so that the soul either returns to its natural state of purity over time or uh, ex experiences uh, a transformation of its being from a natural uh, creature into a supernatural creature, a divine creature, a, a creature that that exists uh, within the flow and the reality of the essence of, of divinity, again, what we call divine love. So uh, unlike the divine love of God, the soul is imbued with, with a, a created love uh, that, that we typically refer to as the, the natural love. That's what I typically call it because it, it distinguishes it from uh, the divine love of God, which is qualitatively, energetically very different from the natural love. Um, Okay. Oh, and, and a key component of, of the soul is really the fact that uh, the soul has will and, and it has what we call free will. I also like to call it free won't uh, because it both has a, a function of, of doing but also not doing or uh, action or inaction. Uh, and, and this will exists without I, I use the word, the phrase in here, I kind of like it without, uh, it's, it's independent of external compulsion that uh, it encounters circumstances, the soul does, and it has the ability to, to make choices and, and decisions, real choices and, and real decisions with real consequences uh, based on that, that freedom uh, that it has to respond in, in many different ways. The, the challenge, of course, on the earth at this point is that so many soul's responses to the circumstances they encounter are not in harmony with God's love, God's laws for harmony, uh, both natural and, and spiritual laws that exist. So, uh, so the soul is free, but it is not free of the consequences of, of its decisions that are, that are made. And again, those consequences can go one of two ways. Either, either decisions are made that are in harmony with natural and spiritual law, and therefore the soul experiences those consequences, which we might call blessings or benefits. Uh, but it is, also, it is also free to make those decisions that are out of harmony with natural law, with spiritual law and to also experience those consequences as well. Um, it is one of the greatest powers in the universe. I, when I think about the powers of the universe as I currently understand them, divine love is at the top and free will is somewhere not too far below that because I mean, free will is, it, it allows us this ability to, uh, in the context of div divine love to say, uh, yes, creator, I, I desire to receive the essence of your love into my soul or no, uh, again, free won't, 
I will not receive it. I do not want it. I, I choose to kind of go my own way, uh, similarly to what, what the first parents of humanity did in the refusal of the gift, uh, saying that they wanted to, to take their own path and not to uh, follow the path that, that uh, the creator was, was freely offering to them out of love and, and generosity. Uh, and the soul also, it has these capabilities that so many people are completely unaware of. I mean, it, it has its own uh, perceptions, its own ability to perceive realities, energies, entities, uh, things that that the natural biological senses have no access to, uh, that they, they literally cannot perceive because the, the soul's perceptive abilities are so much finer, uh, more refined, uh, more powerful, yet more subtle, uh, if that helps at all. And uh, the soul also being made in the image of the creator is creative. Our, our souls are meant to create, uh, to to apply our will in ways uh, that are meant to be in harmony with with the laws of creation. And, and again, that's one of the challenges. Humanity, uh, the free will allows us to exercise our creative abilities, both in ways that are in harmony with natural law and also in ways that are out of harmony with natural law, uh, which is a big part of the, the challenges that humanity is facing upon the planet right now is that a lot of the creative capabilities of the soul have been exercised out of harmony. With, uh, with natural law. Um, and the, the soul, again, it's related to this, but it's the, the soul desires to express itself and, uh, and it has many different means and modes for expressing itself. Um, and it has many, uh, what we would typically call gifts or potential, potentials that exist within the soul uh, that as it grows in divine love, particularly those uh, abilities and potentials grow uh, in their ability to manifest and, and the diversity of those manifestations and, and the things that uh, can come through in very beautiful and, and diverse and, and powerful ways uh, that are completely unique to each soul. Uh, so each soul is completely unique, more unique than any two snowflakes or fingerprints or any other uh, image that we might have of uniqueness in the natural world. And again, the soul, uh, as I alluded to before, it has this desire implanted in it for union with the creator uh, that is a reflection of, of God's own great desire for union with uh, each and every soul made in the image of the creator. Uh, our, a big part of our challenge is that it is, uh, that that desire tends to get uh, channeled or funneled through what, what we'd call the material mind uh, that, that has that exists kind of to help us operate in, in this, uh, this world and because of its influence, according to what I'd call the pseudo reality that humanity has built up, uh, it tends to take the desire of the soul for union with God and turns it into desires for union with food or drugs or sex or uh, whatever addictions or distractions, entertainments, diversions, uh, things that are uh, not in harmony 
with God's will and, and with the intention, uh, the true intention of the soul. But again, that, that, that desire often in this world at this time gets uh, rechanneled into material channels as opposed to the spiritual channels uh, that were originally in, intended. Um, and I, I close out this section just in talking about that, you know, the soul is, is a spiritual entity. It is not, uh, it's not material in its makeup or manifestation in any way, uh, even in a more refined sense. It's, it's spiritual, which is so different from <laughs> what we typically encounter in our lives and experience in, in this world. Um, and um, you know, I talk about its location basically being in, in the in the torso area, and and a lot of times people uh, experience their connection through their soul, through their heart uh, area, through the spiritual heart center or or chakra uh, in in the chest. So uh, a lot of times, if people have challenges connecting to or, or kind of having a sense of how do I get to my soul or how do I experience it? You know, the heart is really like the entryway or the doorway uh, for, for many of us to experience the, the reality of the, the soul. All right, so now what I'm gonna look to do is to go into a lot of the wonderful questions I got and I'll do my best to get through all these and, uh, and uh, finish up with uh, prayer here. So, okay, is God the Father? Uh, is masculine language used in divine love? And if so, why? Do any messages speak about this? So uh, I'm gonna go on my own. Much of uh, what is in the divine love movement uh, does refer to God, to the creator as uh, Father. Um, I don't know exactly why that is. Uh, I prefer to use the kind of language I use in the book and that I've used uh, on this, in this lesson so far, words like creator, heavenly parent, God. Um, so, and, and I've come across other wonderful words uh, and phrases that, that are more, I call them general, gender neutral or nonspecific that, that I personally prefer you know, like great spirit, great white spirit, um, also divine householder. Uh, so basically for me, the, the term father and all, all those terms, you know, for me, one of, the, one of my favorite words is really parent, uh, which is, you know, gender neutral and, and can apply both to female or male. The thing about the, the deity is that, uh, you know, human sexuality and is, is necessary for the procreation of human beings, uh, but th that the, those categories do not apply to divinity. And God is not male, God is not female, despite whatever words apply, people apply to God, uh, concepts related to human sexuality have no meaning or purpose in terms of uh, who God truly is as soul. And actually, I mean, to take it a little further, I mean, as souls, leave uh, this life and, and go into the, the realms of spirit, um, a lot of those, those categories of, of sexuality and, and, and things don't tend to apply as much, if at all, uh, for a lot of uh, spirits and particularly angels. It's just um, those things, that particularly, I guess I'll call them genderizations of human sexuality or gender identities that are typical for us, uh, just are not important um, in the afterlife realms for many, many different uh, souls as, as they progress, uh, either in their 
uh, movement toward perfection, and, and particularly as, as they move into the, the uh, celestial heavens, which exist above the, the natural heavens of, of perfection. Yeah, so basically, I, I love to encourage people to, uh, you know, to, to speak of God in, in those ways that are, that are most meaningful and, and, and helpful to them, uh, feeling a, a closeness to the Creator, um, and to not seek to impose those, those words and terms on other people, uh, and to, to be aware of the fact that uh, there, there are folks uh, for whom you know, certain references to the to uh, divinity can be very challenging for them one way or another. And, you know, we do our best to express uh, our creator's unconditional love ourselves through our, our words and expressions as well. Um, yeah. So uh, there was another question about the phrase when I used all loving, are we transformed into the essence of divinity? Um, you know, and, and about the transformation of the soul and, and basically the, the divine love path, which I believe we'll be talking about in the third lesson here next week, is uh, we, we're going to be talking about those two paths, the path of purification of, of the natural love that, that belongs to the soul with its creation or the path of transformation where the natural love is supplanted, replaced, displaced by the inflowing of God's divine love into the soul. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the whole game for me is that God loves us unconditionally with this divine love and, and we have the opportunity to to receive it to be changed by it to ultimately be transformed in terms of our essential nature from um, a created being that is subject uh, to potential non-existence to uh, a being that participates in the flow of, of divine love and to such an extent that it is uh, that that soul is consciously aware of its immortality as being uh, truly a part of of God, of the Creator, a form of at-one-ment uh, with with divinity that is uh, truly, um, what's the word? Amazing, uh, spectacular, literally unbelievable, beyond belief. Um, so, yeah, I mean that that's that's the game I'm going for, and the game that I'm I'm seeking to help as many other people uh, to play as as well. Um, Okay. Okay. Would you agree that the creator is nothing, i.e. no thing, because God is everything and unlimited? And then it also follows up, we are nothing because we are empty until we are filled with God. So uh, for me, the creator is the ultimate reality. I've already referred to that. And so everything that participates in the being of the creator becomes part of the ultimate reality as well through participation in the divine essence, uh, the very substance of God's ultimate reality. So uh, the human soul, I consider it to be made of natural love uh, within its incarnation. So, you know, I think that there's some word things going on here. Um, but yeah, I mean, God is not an object. Uh, human souls are not objects. We were talking about the this sort of, um, I don't know what the right word is, intersubjectivity of the the soul, uh, the created soul and the uncreated soul of God that, that exists. So um, I wouldn't say that the naturally created soul is is empty. That, that actually makes me think of... Uh, uh, certain existentialist philosophers that come to mind who who uh, tried to tie that to the nature of free will and and so I guess I would speak more in terms of potentiality than emptiness uh, in terms of the nature of the human soul um, 
you know, and, and, and the, the divine soul of the creator is definitely uh, has this incredible fullness of divine love uh, along with many other uh, qualities and characteristics, which are you know, beyond our ability to imagine. So I hope that helps a little bit there. Um, <clears throat> all right. And then I'm going to scroll down to my other questions here. Ah, okay. So I had a good question on, on what role does self-love play in the divine path? Um, you know, and that word, that phrase or that word self-love is so, it's so interesting to me because I think uh, that many times people can kind of get off track with that in thinking that self-love should be directed at uh, who I think I am, my identity, those things with which or with whom I identify that form this kind of construct of of myself, not my true self as soul, but myself as this kind of psychologically and socially constructed reality within the realm of, of the human condition. So, uh, so with that phrase, I, I feel like I have to be very careful that that um, for me, I mean, self-love, true self-love is that um, not the love of the temporary identity, not the love of our masks, our shields, our defense mechanisms. I'm talking, if I'm going to talk about self-love, then I'm going to talk about the love of the soul for its true self, for who and what it truly is as a beloved and precious creation of of the creator. Um, and I guess this is also making me think about how love is so essential to our growth and development and, and on the divine path, the, the transformation of our souls from natural creatures into divine beings. Um, and so, but like I, I'm now thinking about uh, Jesus's teaching of loving our enemies. And I think so many people have so many things within themselves that, that they resist. Um, I know I have I still, still have some of them running around in there uh, aspects that, that, that we resist, that we seek to deny that we do not wish to acknowledge um, as being worthy uh, of being loved. And so I think so many people are in resistance of these temporary aspects of themselves that the resistance actually causes them to persist. Um, whereas when we love even those aspects of ourselves that are temporary and, and appreciate them for the gifts and the learning that they've given us, that uh, in that love they can be released. They can be set free. They can be transmuted into light. They can be healed. There's all these different metaphors for this reality of, of um, allowing that which does not truly belong to us to allow it to be free, to let it go, to allow it to be healed. Again, there's all kinds of metaphors. I'm missing a gazillion of them here uh, where, where if we truly uh, like not loving those things in, in the sense of that I need them to survive, but truly, you know, accepting them as temporary aspects of our being, not resisting them and, and allowing and trusting that love to, to heal those aspects of us, to allow them to be transformed. Um, you know, that to me, I guess, is when I think of a phrase like self-love, that's, 
that's part of the path for me. And, and again, when we're in the flow of God's divine love, we, we experience this unconditional love and acceptance of our creator, which then makes it that much easier for us to stop resisting those parts of ourselves that we want to deny or minimize or, or you know, get rid of or tear out of ourselves or whatever metaphor that, that we want to do. So love is the opposite of resistance. Resistance resists life. Love embraces life. Um, and so self-love for me is the, the transformation of my, all aspects of myself, uh, whether, you know, especially those temporary aspects into light, into goodness, uh, taking whatever gifts they have uh, for me and releasing everything that, that doesn't truly serve the, the purpose of my soul and my being. Uh, another question about the soul, is the soul reincarnated? Uh, in the book, I used a phrase, many cycles of time in that first paragraph. And um, with regard to the many cycles of time, I was literally just talking about the, the space-time spirals that exist as the planet rotates and and revolves around the sun and as the solar system revolves around the galaxy. That's all I was talking about was literally space-time in a, in a spiraling kind of manner. It's just a fancy way of saying that someone lives a long time, many cycles of time as, as, it's, uh, as it's measured on whatever, um, whatever planet we're talking about. Um, and so uh, in terms of, of reincarnation, uh, basically where I've uh, come to on that through research, study, prayer, all kinds of different things is, is I have found uh, for myself that reincarnation is not uh, a necessity. Um, I, I'm convinced at this point that there are actually laws that, that specifically prevent it. Um, and, and I've come across a lot of evidence that would appear to support reincarnation that I've uh, been able to look at through the lens of uh, basic spiritualist uh, law and understanding that uh, where, where those, those types of situations, um, you know, I've found explanations for them that, that satisfied my curiosity in that regard uh, for some pretty incredible uh, situations actually that, that I'm aware of. But um, basically for me, I, I consider reincarnation to be a very logical conclusion for many people to come to, but I, I consider it to be a, a, a human invention and, you know, this is in no way to diminish or minimize other people's uh, beliefs uh, with regard, you know, to to the reality of reincarnation. I, I'm a fan of whatever helps a soul feel closer to God, to grow closer to God, to to experience more of God's true nature and love. If if uh, reincarnation does that for souls, I say go for it. Um, but when it comes to anything, reincarnation or any other. Uh, any other ideas, if, if those things don't help a soul to grow closer to God, then I encourage souls to let those things go, whatever they may be, and they could be really cherished beliefs, um, things that, that people were taught from a very early age that uh, that they were told these things are true and they're important and you must believe them or whatever the case may be. So, uh, yeah, so for me, uh, that's that's where I'm at on that. I'm trying to think uh, if there's anything else in that item that might be helpful at this point. Um, yeah, I think I'll let that go right now. So, so for me, there, there's no actual literal uh, 
reality to uh, reincarnation. Uh, but again, I, I do appreciate that it's that it's important uh, to to a lot of people in in the world, and uh, you know, and I'm not going to ask anyone to let go of anything uh, that they really want to hold on to that they find is is helpful to them in their spiritual journey. Uh, the beautiful thing is is that a soul can receive divine love regardless of beliefs. Um, reincarnation is one of those beliefs and things like. The Trinity dogmas of different churches or religions, um, rituals and practices, none of those things uh, need necessarily come between the soul's longing for divine love and the experience of the inflowing of that love into the soul, which I consider to be a great blessing. I mean, if we were all at the mercy of, of any particular idea or belief, whatever its origin might be, however seriously we might take it, uh, I think we would be in I'll speak for myself, I'd be in big trouble <laughs> if the uh, transformation of my soul was dependent upon my beliefs, which I'm grateful uh, that it's not because I've experienced all kinds of things uh, that are beyond belief and therefore help me to understand that, that you know, belief has its place, but uh, all beliefs pale in comparison to the experience of, of the inflowing of God's love and, and the work that, that it does within the human soul. Another uh, great question, do souls keep, uh, are they continuously being created as needed as our population increases or is there a set number since they may, it may exist, uh, quote, uh, exist prior to incarnation? So uh, basically at this point, uh, others may know, I, I really, all I know is, is that I don't know, uh, and I don't know of anyone who does know, like how many souls have been created or are being created or will be created in the future. We only know that the soul has an existence prior to the moment of incarnation, but we don't know what kind of span of what we'd call time uh, might exist between any particular soul's creation as a spiritual entity and then its implantation, its incarnation within a biological entity. Uh, as far as I know, we have no knowledge of that. We have no idea of the numbers. Um, just based on you know the current human population being 7.5 billion people, and then if reincarnation is not a thing, that's a whole heck of a lot of unique souls. So I'm guessing we're dealing with numbers of souls, both already incarnated uh, and yet to be incarnated that are completely beyond our ability to comprehend. Uh, and that's just on the planet Earth, let alone all the other uh, planets that, that may experience the incarnation of souls as well. Um, oh, and then, then uh, I, I got a comment here that I wanted to, to share uh, that I really liked. So let me throw this out there. The soul then is like a compass made for us by God that shows us the direction we need to follow, provided we know that it exists. We should then pay attention to it, watch it, listen to it, and, uh, and then there's, and therein lies the problem. So for me, the, the idea of the soul being like a compass, I really like that image. So I just wanted to play with that a little bit here before we, we wrap up. I mean, when I think about this, the compass, I mean, it's this, it's this material instrument. So it's not, you know, anything we're going to do in comparison to the soul as a spiritual entity is, is challenging because we're dealing completely in the world of metaphor and language and all that. But, um, but the idea, so if we imagine the soul as a, as a compass, that it has this needle that points to magnetic north. So, and then that needle is influenced by the, the magnetic field of the planet, this very, to us in our state of uh, subtle 
energy field that that causes it to move and to respond you know as as it as uh, as the compass you know moves it, it that that arrow even if the compass turns right you know the arrow is going to you know uh, continue pointing uh, true north if, if it's a working compass so uh, I kind of like that image a lot because I think there's a lot of truth to it that that the soul um, the perceptions of the soul are very subtle yet very powerful uh, they do have this ability to help us uh, especially as they are developed uh, within the flow of God's divine love and as they are empowered by it the ability to perceive the nature of our Creator um, to perceive our own true nature, to perceive layers and levels of reality that are so far beyond anything that, that the material or, or biological senses can perceive. So, um, yeah, I mean, any metaphor is always going to have its, its limitations and its shortcomings, but, but the idea of, of recognizing the importance of our souls, that we have one. I mean, so many people equate their soul with their mind. Um, you know, I used to think they were the same thing for a whole bunch of years of my life. I, I thought, well, if I have a soul, it's in my head, you know. <laughs> it uh, took me a while of praying to, to realize, no, it's, it, that's not really where, where, where it's at. Um, the, the, the mind uh, has its important functions, but it is not uh, the equivalent or exactly the same as the soul. The soul uh, has a whole, whole host of perceptions and abilities beyond that. But anyways... Um, yeah, so so that sensitivity of the soul, of it, and and I like the idea of the compass too because it's the idea that well, I I receive feedback, I can make adjustments to my course if if true north or whatever my destination is that that I can use the sensitivities of the soul to to the the energies of God and and to other uh, realities and energies as well to to really. Um, find my path, to perceive my path um, toward at one minute with the Creator and also the, the fulfillment of my purpose uh, as, as a soul uh, in this life and, and in the realms of spirit once we leave this life. So I really, I, I like that image. Um, I, I don't particularly see a, a problem with it uh, that, that it's just our, our society at this point does not recognize the soul and uh and for me the soul is is uh, critical the the development of its perceptions and, and potentials and its participation in divine love is is hugely important um not simply as a spiritual uh matter but it it it, it has uh powerful impacts upon uh, our material existence in this world as well and, and the world itself. So, um, so yeah, I love the idea of, of uh, conversing with our soul uh, to listen to what is coming through our soul. Uh, God speaks to us through our soul. The angels speak to us through our soul. Uh, other souls speak to us through our souls. So we, we've just barely scratched the surface of, of the potential of the soul for uh, what what it can do, what it can perceive, and, and what is possible as that soul grows in its in its development of the the essence of divinity. All right, so uh, I want to thank all those who sent in questions and everyone who's who's present here. So I, I'd like to just say a, a, a brief closing prayer uh, before we uh, end the recording here. So if you would join me, please, in, in prayer, uh, both those who are present now and those of you who are listening to the recording.
Creator, we thank you for the gift of our lives, for the opportunity that you give to not simply know you uh, or experience you through concepts or ideas, but to participate in your very essence, in your very being, to experience your presence within us and amongst us, the gift of our souls, those subtle perceptions of who you truly are and who we truly are as, as your beloved souls and who we are to each other as soul siblings made in your image that you call to oneness with you in love. So we thank you for these precious gifts, those that we are aware of and those we are yet to perceive on this wonderful journey uh, as we continue to find our way toward you, experiencing the flow of your love and the light of your being that makes all of these wonderful blessings so so possible, so evident for us on our continuing journeys as they unfold. We thank you so much. Amen. So I'd just like to do a brief sign off here. So um, for all of you, the one who made you accepts you absolutely and loves you unconditionally. And so it is. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Bill.